Hello and welcome to the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast. Thank you very much indeed for tuning into this episode. Today we're going to talk about one of my favourite forms of motorsport, which is the Australian V8 Supercar Championship, which started off for the first race of the season with the Superloop Adelaide 500 last weekend on the streets of Adelaide in Australia. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Australian V8 supercars, it's an incredible series with big, massive, brawny saloon cars, um, mainly now, well actually only now, uh, from Ford with their Mustang and Holden with their Commodore, which we'll come on to Holden a little bit later on. But these cars are nearly 1,400 kilograms in weight, which is much, much heavier than almost any other race car on the market. Most racing cars are usually under uh, 1,000 kilos, so to have 1,400 kilos is really, really heavy. They're saloon car based, four-door car based, um, with a sequential gear shift, not operated by a paddle, but operated by a big old-fashioned lever, pushing away from the driver to go down a gear, and pushing uh, and pulling away from, uh, towards the driver uh, to go up a gear. Um, very, very cool. And of course, big, naturally aspirated V8 engines, which sound absolutely incredible with real V8 thunder, which is now a little bit of a rarity to find normally aspirated V8s in global motorsport nowadays. And of course, the most famous part of the Australian V8 Supercar Championship is, of course, the Bathurst 1000 in October. And that's normally the race that most people will pay attention to. But actually, the whole season that builds up to the Bathurst 1000 is really, really intriguing. And you have such an incredible quality and depth of drivers who compete in Australian V8 Supercars. And what we've seen throughout the years is that very very few drivers that have started off in other categories and then moved to the Australian V8 Supercar Championship have really been able to to make any kind of impression because it's such a specific skill hustling around a 1.4 tonne racing car with a big V8. It requires such a particular driving style which really means that a lot of the local drivers from Australia and New Zealand dominate the sport. For those who have never seen the sport and would like to check it out, you can do it through um, something called Superview. So if you go onto the supercars.com website, Superview is only it's only about 35 Australian dollars a year and you can watch every practice, every qualifying and every race. So fantastic value for, for such a long season that runs from now until about the uh, about the beginning of November, um, finishing up in, in on the streets of Newcastle. So... The Adelaide 500, the first race uh, of the season, as I said, on a street track, a really, really technical, difficult street track that was actually used to be used for um, the Formula One World Championship a number of years ago before it went to its its current home uh, in, in Albert Park in Melbourne. And it's just an extraordinary spectacle to watch, particularly in qualifying, you really see um, professional racing drivers ex- really displaying their talent incredibly well because in qualifying for the Adelaide 500 they use the top 10 shootout formula so what that means is the top 10 drivers from practice um, the timed practice sessions 
go into a shootout system where they get one flying lap to set their qualifying time. So the pressure is on, they get one out lap to warm up the tyres and brakes and then they've got to put down one lap um, on the line straight away. And it is incredible, particularly on a street track where there is no margin forever whatsoever at all, any mistake and you're in the wall and the car is destroyed. Um, an incredible, you know, to be able to, to put a single-seater racing car through a tight, twisty street track is one thing, but to move around a car with such mass and such inertia requires incredible precision, skill and bravery. And I must say, they use it at Bathurst as well, the top 10 shootout format. It's such an amazing spectacle to watch 10 drivers go and, and, and set one flying lap. And I really think it would be very well... It would be really good to implement that qualifying format in a number of other motorsports, in, in particular actually in MotoGP and all the classes in MotoGP because often in, in the MotoGP World Championship in motorcycle racing, we see a lot of riders riding slowly in qualifying to try and tag along behind somebody and get a get a toe by t following behind them in their slipstream and it, a lot of the time it spoils qualifying sessions and really makes it quite disjointed and quite slow actually until the riders finally get going and start setting some some fast lap times with this format it's just absolutely all down to the to the to the rider or the driver go in and set your lap time and go and it's such an amazing spectacle in the qualifying for the two races of the Adelaide Adelaide 500 it's split into two 250 kilometer races one on the Saturday and one on the Sunday in the qualifying on Saturday morning the well, the the, the stalwart of, of supercars racing, Jamie Winkup, the seven times champion, um, who races for the Triple Eight Race Engineering Red Bull Holden team, and he set pole position uh, for the race. But what was most impressive was David Reynolds. David Reynolds, co-host of one of my favourite podcasts called Below the Bonnet. Uh, please check out Below the Bonnet podcast. It's really, really funny. Um, David Reynolds is one of the hosts on that program, but he's also a very accomplished um, V8 supercar driver. And he races for the Penrite Racing uh, Erebus Motorsport team in a, in a Holden Commodore. And actually, just after the start of his flying lap, white smoke started to pour off one of his tyres and actually came into the cabin. Now, when you're at the level of concentration required to set a qualifying lap in this format is so advanced that any distraction whatsoever uh, is, 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 is really unwelcome. That's one time when you don't want that distraction. And this started, and this, this issue seemed to, to persist throughout the lap on and off but David Reynolds still managed to grab that car by the scruff of the neck, even risking there could have been a it could have been a deflating tire, it could have been faulty suspension, it could have been anything, or perhaps a bit of bodywork rubbing on the tire. It wasn't really confirmed what it was, but uh, you know, oh, actually, you know what? I have it in my notes here. Uh, power steering leak, a power steering leak. So not something you want <laughs> uh, on the streets of Adelaide. But he actually came second on, he was second on the grid, just four thousandths of a second behind Jamie Wincup's pole position time. So to set that sort of time with a power steering leak, quite incredible uh, to to watch. So um, if you've if you've only got a short amount of time to sample V8 supercars watch some of the qualifying, um, which I believe they post on their YouTube channel as well. So well worth a look. In race one, well, it was a Jamie Wincup masterclass. The Triple Eight Red Bull Holden man was absolutely flawless and led from the front 
and never looked like he could be better. Just drove one of those perfect races that he's become so famous for and why he is a seven-time Supercars champion. Scott McLaughlin, last year's champion and also champion from 2018 as as well, um, he got he was only qualified fifth on the grid and actually got stuck back in the pack um, during the race. And of course, on a street track like Adelaide, it's very very difficult for the drivers to to overtake. So he was getting stuck behind uh, some of his uh, competitors and his um, DGR team Penske team brought him in early ahead of the entire field, got some fuel in and put on a fresh set of tyres and allowed Scott to display his incredible pace in clean air. So we had clean track to be able to use the most of clean tyres and they call that the undercut because if you go in and pit and take new tyres and fuel and you've got new tyres and you're stuck in the pack, you can't take the advantage of those tyres by basically taking them to their to their maximum because you're stuck in traffic. But when you have when you're out on your own, you can really push and make the most of those brand new tyres. And that's exactly what Scott McLaughlin did. A very, very clever strategy from um, um, from Ludo, his his crew chief, and Ryan Story, the, the, the team boss, team manager. And it that allowed him to jump. Once the race played out over about nearly two hours or so, um, he, he ended up finishing second uh, in, in that race. And that really... Um, that really helped Scott McLaughlin get ready for the next race on the Sunday. Throughout the race, I mean, as I said, on a street track, it is very, very difficult to overtake, which does make the, the racing a little bit, a little bit slower than than some other tracks, perhaps. But we did see some great battling in the first race between old teammates Cam Waters in the Monster Energy uh, Ford Mustang and Chaz Moster, who's moved over from Ford from the super cheap auto Ford to um, the Andretti um, Walkinshaw United um, Holden team. Um, so we had Chaz Mostert, Cam Waters and Will Davidson in the Milwaukee um, Mustang, uh, Ford Mustang, battling throughout the battling throughout a number of a number of laps, which was was great to watch. Now on the subject of racing um, and the quality of the racing and the amount of overtaking, last year uh, in V8 Supercars was relatively so a year um, which was a little bit disappointing in terms of the on-track competition and the on-track um, overtaking and passing. And a big part of that was because the cars last year, the aer aerodynamics on these cars was, was much, much um, higher than they had been before. And what effect does that have? Well, effectively, the more aerodynamic uh, downforce that the car has, so when the air is passing over the car and it's pushing it down into the ground, Formula One cars would be the ultimate example of high downforce. And the more downforce that you have, the air that flows out of the back of the car, they refer to as dirty air or turbulent air. What that means is, is that the car behind has to leave a certain amount of gap um, when they're following the driver in front because if they follow too close, um, they will lose grip and, and they, they can sometimes you know, they actually lose control of, of, of their car in, in an extreme case. So what that means is because if you've got a car that's very aerodynamically efficient with lots of downforce, you can't follow it too closely and therefore you can't make a pass and therefore boring racing. Watch Formula One for any of the last 10 years or five years at least and you will see a very good example of why dirty air and why aerodynamics can sometimes 
go against uh, good racing. So the organisers of supercars this year have reduced the aerodynamic downforce of the car slightly in an attempt to improve the racing. Now, they have made a small improvement, but there was one example at Adelaide where uh, which showed that there is still work to do because there's one in about the middle of the circuit, I think it's turn eight at Adelaide, that's a very, very fast right-hander, about 240 kilometres an hour, about 150 miles an hour or so, very, very fast. And they're, they're going through this very fast right-hander. And James Courtney uh, in the new Team Sydney Boost Mobile um, Holden Commodore was following uh, Andre Heimgartner uh, in the Australian Ned Whiskey Mustang uh, in front. And he wasn't even really particularly following the car in front that closely. But what you saw as he went round the corner, the front end of the car caught the dirty air from Heingartner's car in front and basically the allow basically reduced the grip on his front and the front end of the car and the front tires and the front spoiler particularly and the car went straight basically straight on and straight into the wall and that was his race over and that was one very damaged um Holden Commodore and James Courtney said after the race he says my goodness me he says that was the Bermuda Triangle of aero wash or aero push and aero wash or aero push is basically when the car in car in front the dirty air hits the car that you're driving and and basically stops the aerodynamics and the grip from working and therefore you don't go around the corner as uh, as you would like to and in the case of Adelaide absolutely no room for error and he was straight in the wall so I think they've got that that you know that will be noticed by the sport it will be noticed by the other drivers showing that you cannot you cannot follow the car that closely we saw at Bathurst last year there's a corner at the end of the Conrad Strait called the Chase and it's a very very fast entry about 180 miles an hour they're braking in these 1.4 ton cars you can't imagine what it, the amount of force that it takes to stop a 1.4 ton car from 180 miles an hour it's just incredible and Garth Tander who's one of the, the most experienced drivers in V8 supercars and only races as a co-driver in the in, um, uh, Pertec Enduro Cup now but he also does a lot of driving in GT3 racing cars which are more sophisticated aerodynamically and he was saying that his braking point in the V8 supercar was not really far away at all from where he was in a GT3 car now that is not how it should be these cars should have a lot less aerodynamics than that allowing them to race much more closely together you just have to look a good example if you watch the british touring car championship these cars have very little aerodynamics and funnily enough they can follow each other pretty much nose to tail for the whole race so that was an i thought an interesting um interesting observation from 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 race one in race two we had Shane Van Gisbergen on pole, um, the Kiwi, um, again in the Triple Eight Red Bull Holden. And actually, it looks like Holden might just have the edge on Ford this year. Last year with the new Ford Mustang, the Ford team got off to such a such a fast start with Scott McLaughlin cleaning the board through the early part of the season. And then with a little bit of a, an adjustment during the season, um, Holden were able to catch up and actually towards the end of the season Holden certainly looked like they had the, the faster car with their Commodore. Coming into 2020 
well, it's a story of mixed fortunes between Holden uh, and in, in terms of the company and their on-track results. At Adelaide, they had a fantastic weekend. A lot of cars up near the front. They won the first race. Um, didn't win the second race, but but but, but were, were second place in the second race. Um, but Holden um, have, unfortunately, well, the owners of Holden, General Motors, have um, revealed that they will actually be, eventually they will be shuttering the Holden brand completely. They will be closing the Holden brand down. Um, which is very disappointing because Holden is such a iconic Australian motorsport brand. Um, it's the the rivalry between Ford and Holden is absolutely tribal um, in supercar racing, and the Ford versus Holden rivalry has been such such a driver of the interest in the sport and the fan interest and in that loyalty to if you're either a Ford guy. Or you're a Holden guy, and when you, you you risk losing a brand like Holden, that really changes the changes the atmosphere com- completely. Now there is reports that you know General Motors have well, obviously General Motors have a number of different brands, and of course they they they, they won't want to lose any market share, even though they are shutting down Holden as a brand. Hopefully that will you know V8 Supercars is one of the biggest sports in Australia. Uh, in fact, one of the biggest sports in the Southern Hemisphere, full stop, for motorsport. And it's. I think that General Motors will hopefully see that and will replace Holden with another brand in the V8 Supercar Championship. Now, given the fact that Ford have entered with their Mustang, which is a globally, um, a globally sold product, where they used to have something called the Ford Falcon, which was only really sold in that part of the world. We didn't get it here in Europe, for example. So hopefully, with the you know Mustang, with Ford having the Mustang, maybe General Motors will bring a, a Chevrolet Camaro or a Corvette or something something along along those lines. So in race two, um, well, Scott McLaughlin was second on the grid alongside Shane Van Gisbergen and absolutely bolted away. Clearly, a little bit frustrated about not winning the first race uh, uh, on Saturday, bolted away into uh, into the lead, closely followed by Shane Van Gisbergen. But it all happened; all everything changed at the very first pit stop when Scott McLaughlin, in his red and yellow um, Shell V Power Mustang, came into the pits with his his fellow Kiwi Shane Van Gisbergen in the Red Bull Holden right behind him and they both pitted at exactly the same time and because um, uh, DJR Team Penske, the V-Power Ford team that McLaughlin drives for, they won the team's championship last year they get the prime spot at the very end of the pits but right behind them, who finished second in the team's championship, is Red Bull Holden. So they're right next to each other in the pit box. And Red Bull Holden pulled a very, very clever move. They actually deliberately short-filled, so that while they were fueling up the car, they pulled the plug out, they pulled the pump out early and was were able to get their Red Bull Holden and with Shane Van Gisbergen on board to jump ahead of Scott McLaughlin, which made left the DGR team, Petsky team, absolutely incensed with rage of the mistake that they made by not covering this move. And of course, I, when you've got drivers with the pace of Shane Van Gisbergen in that Holden, you know, even with Scott McLaughlin in your car, round a track like Adelaide, it's so, so difficult to overtake. So at that point, it almost looked like, um, it almost looked like McLaughlin had lost lost the race um, to Shane Van Gisbergen. But when they came in for the second pit stop, 
Red Bull Holden gave this free kick, free kick straight back to DGR team Penske because unbelievably when they when Shane Van Gisbergen and his Holden came in for his second pit stop when they were fueling up to the end so that in V8 supercars they get a certain amount of fuel which they have to use they cannot leave any fuel behind they have to use every last litre and in the second and what was meant to be final pit stop they fueled them up but still left a few litres left in the tanks so what that meant was that they had to come and do an extra pit stop which of course dropped them back down the field but once this once this was noticed Shane Van Gisbergen was told to, to floor it and what ensued was some of the finest professional race car driving you are ever likely to see seeing Shane Van Gisbergen driving absolutely to his maximum in a car that looked very well set up very well planted was just majestic to watch sometimes in motor racing it doesn't always have to be crash bang wallop um, overtaking that always helps that's always nice don't get me wrong but sometimes you just get these moments where you see a professional racing driver at the top of their game just stepping up to another level that you didn't you didn't even realize was there and it was just majestic to watch Shane Van Gisbergen hustle this big holding around the streets of Adelaide. If you if, if you get the chance to go back and watch it, please do. It's just an exceptional piece of race car driving. And actually, Shane Van Gisbergen, even with that extra pit stop, had managed to get himself almost back onto the podium again. Quite extraordinary with another trip down pit lane. But very close to the end of the race, unfortunately had a right a right front suspension failure and had to retire from the race with just a couple of laps to go. So after fighting so hard and having the race won and really being the driver of the day, no doubt about it, um, even all of his contemporaries saying that as well, Scott McLaughlin included, um, he was left absolutely dejected. Stranded out on the circuit as the, as the chequered flag flew, he was there out on the circuit all on his own with a one broken race car. But thankfully, his mate Cam Waters, in the ironically monster energy Ford, came to came to pick him up and gave him a lift in his Ford um, Monster Energy race car. Now, of course, Shane Van Gisbergen races not only for Holden, which is the die absolutely bitter rival of Ford, and also Red Bull, which of course is the bitter rival of Monster Energy. So, um, quite an ironic thing. But he got a lift back with his with his buddy Cam Waters back to the back to the pits but it was Scott McLaughlin always there thereabouts he finished obviously first in the second race and second in the first race which sends him out of the first round of the championship as championship leader in second place in the second race we saw Chaz Mostert get on the podium in just his first weekend with the Andretti Walkinshaw United team and then Cam Waters who I just mentioned in the the Tickford Racing um, Monster Energy Ford Mustang closing out the podium so what did we from this first this first uh, weekend I think the Holdens particularly on the street tracks are going to be really hard to beat the Holdens were right up there uh, all all weekend um, we'll, we'll just need to wait and see how, how it all pans out it's so early to tell but I think the Holdens are going to be good they looked at really well tied down and re really well set up throughout the weekend. Next, the, the cars, they go to, to Melbourne, where they actually act as support races for the opening round of the Formula One World Championship at, at Albert Park in Melbourne, which, of course, is another street track. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes, but I think it's game on. I think Scott McLaughlin's going to have his hands full, 
uh, with the two Red Bull Holden guys, no doubt uh, about that. Speaking of Scott McLaughlin, our double world champ, uh, double double supercars champion, um, he um, the fact that he races for DGR Team Penske, and of course that's Penske of Team Penske, who has race teams all over the world and one of the most successful men in the old automotive industry, not just the motorsport industry. And of course, Penske's team, very successful in NASCAR with Joey Logano and incredibly successful in IndyCar. And of course, Roger Penske now owns the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the IndyCar series as well, and not only having one of the most dominant teams in the sport. Now, Scott McLaughlin in his holidays in between, uh, he's had quite a busy holidays in between the finish line three months ago in Newcastle to the opening race here in Adelaide. He's got married um, to his lovely wife Carly, and... Uh, he has been having a little play in some of Roger Penske's Indy cars, not at Sebring and at the Circuit of the Americas. And he has been now bearing in mind an Indy car couldn't be any more different to the cars that he's been driving for the last six or seven years in, in V8 supercars. They are completely different in every single way. But he has jumped straight into those cars and gone incredibly quickly, so quickly that he could even make a jump to the IndyCar Championship. His wife Carly is American, and of course the IndyCar Championship is an American-based series, so personally it's bound to <laughs> it's bound to be convenient for him. And actually his team boss, um, and uh, Dick Johnson, has said that he wouldn't stand in the way of Scott if he wanted to leave the Supercars Championship at the end of the season and go to IndyCar. So we will need to wait and, and see how that goes. It would be a great loss to the sport um, as the standout Ford, Ford driver in the championship if McLaughlin were to move to IndyCar, but um, what, a, what an opportunity that would be for him. So that's a little intro to the start of the V8 Supercar uh, season. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed hearing about it and, and learning a little bit about it. Um, we'll be talking about the series all the way through the season and all rounding all the way towards the big race, the great race, Bathurst 1000, which is always an incredible spectacle. Little bit of a little bit of news before um, before we finish uh, the show. As I mentioned before, um, I've got such I'm so lucky to get the opportunity to go over to Sebring uh, next month in the middle of March to go uh, and witness not only the thousand miles of Sebring World Endurance Championship race, but also the iconic twelve hours of Sebring IMSA race as well. And while I'm over there, I've been working very hard on setting up some interviews. Thanks to the wonderful Krista Riley at Wayne Taylor Racing, managed to get an interview with their three drivers, Ryan Briscoe, Renger van der Zander and Scott Dixon. I, I can't quite believe that I'm saying that, but and I can't wait to have a chat with them and share that all with you. I am so, so excited. Also, um, I'm working on a couple of other interviews as well. One particular very well-known name in the World Rally Championship world, which I'm hoping to interview at the beginning of April. I will keep it under wraps for now, but um, do keep it do keep out for that one, and that's going to be um, that's going to be very exciting indeed. If you haven't already, um, please um, subscribe to the to our podcast, and you'll get a handy notification every time a new episode uh, is um, is published. And also, if you're on iTunes, if you can, uh, if you'd like to, you can uh, review our podcast, which helps others to find. 
uh, the podcast as well. And I'd be so grateful uh, if you can do that. If you'd like to contact me, um, you can do it via my Twitter, which is at Mackay Podcast, or via my website, which is PeterMackayMotorsport.com. Thank you very much indeed for listening, and I look forward to speaking to you again very soon.